Welcome to the Liberalish Podcast, brought to you by What You Expect. I'm your host, Marcus, uh, and you'll be hearing from my co-hosts, Keith and Carly, in a bit. Uh, but be sure to check us out at whatyouexpect.com. That's W-Y-Expect.com. Uh, wherever you're hearing this, whether it's on Spotify, Apple, I'm sure you're, you might be seeing this on YouTube. Hopefully you are. That's why I'm doing this. Uh, be sure to rate us, subscribe to us, you know, talk to us. Like we, we love to shoot this shit. Um, but yeah, just be sure to check us out. Uh, it goes a long way to kind of keeping the show going. Any sort of feedback would be great. Um, this week, we had our chief, I mean, our CEO, really our talisman, kind of the engine that keeps us going. Um, the, the Lionel Messi of the What You Expect Enterprise, Dwa. He came onto the show uh, to discuss Donald Trump's off-repeated claim that he has done more for black people than any other president, which sounds bizarre. And Dwight really dug into it in an article that he wrote for the site this week that you should definitely go check out. Uh, but as crazy as it sounds that, you know, he may have done more, we have to actually entertain the possibility. If you look back at American history, you know, this is, you know, this is a country that was founded, you know, under racist pretense. You know, we were, there's, racism has been here since the inception of this country. So... Despite the fact that he stoked racial resentment for the better part of the last decade in the political realm, and even prior to that, ran his businesses in a way where racism was ever-present, whether it was the way that he dealt with employees, whether the way it was de- he dealt with people going to his casinos, even tenants in Queens, you know, he does have, you know, there's a history there. You look at his mentors, whether it's Roger Stone or Roy Cohn or his father, you know, it's hard to say that he's not racist, and yet... If we're going to frame the conversation in this way that he that you know who's done the most for black people he's he's there so we tackled that and i thought it was a really good discussion that we had uh and that's and a few other things that we touched on prior to uh digging into the trump question uh like the continuing sars protests in nigeria and the challenges that you know i know i have and i'm sure other people have and kind of showing their solidarity and support for black people globally um there are some new developments in the Breonna Taylor case this week, uh, including now there are charges, and it looks fair charges, uh, or not charges, I should say in the legal sense, just allegations would probably be the better term, for Kentucky AG Daniel Cameron. Uh, there was also the you know tragic murder of Walter Wallace Jr. by the Philadelphia Police Department uh, earlier this week. It's kind of kicked off you know a round of protests, riots, and conflict with the police that they just seem incapable of de-escalating i do wonder what we're training them to do you know it seems like they're really good at you know attacking citizens and protecting property but you would hope that they would be protecting citizens but you know same shit different day as far as that goes uh there were a few other topics that we touched on you know what white people vote for can they vote against their own uh their own self-interest um, which I think if you don't pay attention to politics, it's something that like maybe you don't realize they do all the time. Um, so it was good to kind of dig into that. Uh, we talked about whether black people potentially should arm up and exercise their Second Amendment rights and a few more items, you know, which you throw in kind of before the wheel. The conversation can kind of go in any number of directions, and it did, but, you know, I still think it was a good good show that you'll enjoy. Um, and before I kind of hand it off to them, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't you know, encourage you know anyone listening to this, watching this, to go out and vote if you haven't already. You know, it's very encouraging to see. I think 86 million people have already gone to vote. 
which you know puts us on pace. We'll see what the uh, election day turnout looks like, but you know the turnout numbers looking incredible. Um, and then hopefully the momentum continues. Uh, I know there are a lot of people that are jaded or disaffected, disengaged from you know the politics. They either hate it, or they just don't believe that the system works for them and people like them. It's part of the reason that someone like Donald Trump was able to kind of rise up. But also to a lesser extent kind of fed into kind of Bernie Sanders rise. And I totally get that. Um, you know, it's hard, you know, it's hard for me to get to kind of, and you'll see, you'll hear it later on, but it's kind of hard for me to kind of deal with the idea that, uh, or entertain the idea uh, that people are, you know, just don't believe in the system and they just take themselves out of it rather than fighting back or fighting to have their voice heard. Um, you know, and it's something that really happens. And, you know, I can't argue with it really. I, it's just hard for me to kind of empathize, but I totally get why I can understand where it comes from. But at the end of the day, I do think that people need to make sure that their voices are heard. You know, we're a better country when more people vote, more people are involved and engaged in what's happening here. So, you know, if you care about your communities, you care about the people around you, um, you want to see, you know, your cities, your states, your country at large uh, represent and uphold things that you believe in. Go out and vote. Uh, Tuesday, November 3rd. Go out and do it. <sighs> Without further ado, though, here's episode 8 of the Liberal-ish podcast. Alright, so I wanted to start the podcast off with kind of some like, um, you know, on a dull note, basically. Uh, so I wanted to move like our back to blue section up to the top. Um, I just wanted to say, first off, thoughts and prayers out to the protesters out in Nigeria protesting against the SARS. That's like the special NTA robbery squad. Um, just recently, it's been reported that uh, the military in Nigeria opened fire on the citizens while they're like, peacefully protesting. So it seems like the situation is like, taking a turn for the worse there. It seems like the government's not really doing much for the people there. Um, this has been going on for about, about two weeks now, right? These protests? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, something like that. It's been going on for a little bit, and it seems like the government really hasn't like been moving the needle much. They've just been trying to. They've just been using U.S. tactics, right? Just trying like to wait it out. Very like soft like reforms. Well, I do think they. Much. I do believe that they they did come out and say that they are going to end SARS. Um, but I don't think anything's happened kind of like in the interim. Like they kind of came out and came out and pledged to end SARS and reform the police. But you know, one, it's not the first time that they've made this promise. I think they've had other issues in the past. Where the government's had uh, heavy-handed responses to uh, uh, with uh, response to protests or even as pol uh, police corruption, um, but two, it doesn't seem like you know, despite the fact that they've made this pledge, it hasn't stopped you know people from going out and protesting because again, this is the fact that SARS police, you know, the government in general has kind of been able to you know act the way that they've acted for so long. I think people are just tired and they're still going to kind of they want to see something done before they just like stop demanding change from the government. They actually want to see substantive things happen. Uh, which, you know, is not uncommon to us as we've seen here in the States. But yeah, it's it's crazy that it's, you know, it's gone on for two weeks and it doesn't seem like there's any, you know, slowdown in these people's fight. Uh, no, not at all. And like, I mean, you kind of brought up a good point, right? Like um, this, the cause to end SARS has happened before in the past. Government really hasn't really moved the needle much on that. That sounds like something that happened here in the U.S., right? Hey, not we're going to do ago. police reform. Congress hasn't really acted. I don't think like many states have even enacted any like police reform legislations at all. So, yeah, there's a lot of symbolic gestures done. Um, I think a couple of states are. It's 
they've debated it, but I think when it's kind of hard to for they're going to say that it's hard to do anything with COVID in effect, and it's kind of keeping them from like gathering and really kind of de- de- debating these issues uh, in a meaningful way and kind of coming to some sort of again substantive change for those communities. But still, um, I got to know in Minnesota, uh, the I think the city where George Floyd died, they they had come together and said that we're going to tackle this uh, issue, and it turns out you know months later that it's kind of fallen by the wayside. They haven't really right. come through on their promise. Um, so yeah, again, this is kind of uh, par for the course, I would say, uh, where and people are kind of saying that they want to do the government saying that they want to come out and do the right thing and they want to you know kind of respond to the justice. But then in terms of actually seeing it through, I think that's why people are still protesting because they actually want to see change before they just kind of you know let up you know and kind of let the work happen, so to speak. Yeah, no, for sure. And I wish like that kind of happened here a little bit more too. Like we kind of like disperse into the protests over like the calls for like police reform and like nothing happened. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely nothing happened. So uh, we'll, we'll see about that. Uh, so talking about, um, you know, uh, the good old days, uh, the Kentucky AG's office and one of the murderers that killed Breonna Taylor, uh, they're fighting to keep the, investi- uh, the investigative materials from the public. Uh, so their argument is that they want a fair trial for the one cop that was charged for like one ton endangerment. Basically like he was charged for missing Brianna Taylor, essentially. Yep. Um, so, you know, basically like, um, you know, the, the, you know, they are trying to employ the evidence, trying to protect the fellow cops. Uh, the argument against that is, well, you already came out of the press conference about like, you know, the charges and what the evidence was. Why not release it out to the public? What are you trying to hide from us? Or is there more incriminating evidence out there, you know, that could charge up the other officers, for instance? Um, I think one of like, like I was saying, like one of my biggest things is I think by now people have already started to kind of like, especially I think people are still kind of outraged that he wasn't like charged with more, but I think people are more aware that there's definitely something being kept from like the public. I think most people have already come to that conclusion. Like there's more to the story. I think the frustrating part is that we know there's more to the story and they know there's more to the story. But like, it's almost as if another like slap in the face, like we don't care how you feel. We don't care about these protests. We don't care that you're upset. We don't care that you're mad or outraged. Like we're, this is all, this is all you're gonna get. And I think even like people who were in the, the jury were like, they didn't even know that they, there was like, they weren't even presented with the option of charging him with more. They had only brought this one thing to them as like, if you're gonna indict him or not. And even in his press conference following, he said he had all the information and he felt that he did the best he could with the information. He reviewed the information. And for me, that translate like, we knew, we know the full story, but this is like all that we're gonna hold him accountable for because we have to hold him accountable because you guys keep protesting. So this is all we're going to hold him accountable for to say right. that we did something, but that's about it. Like you're not getting any more from us on that, on that perspective. So I feel right. like I just think, yeah, I think like if you really break it down, that's like where everyone is at this point. Like it's kind of like you're trying to push somebody to do something, but like when has, when has anything that we've ever done to try to get somebody to do something like really ever worked? That's a question. In terms of like, are you asking basically if like if protests work? Not even that, but I'm like that. Yes, 
but also like when has when has like I guess public scrutiny or like you know public outrage from the black community ever really propelled like someone to getting in trouble like we were upset about Trayvon Martin we were upset about Philandro Castile we were upset about Mike Brown we protested all these things we 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 went on we did interviews and, and everything and it, exactly and I I feel like it's it's really like a joke amongst um, like legislation and like in lawyers and, and attorney generals. I, I think it's like a, it's a joke. It's like these people are upset about this thing, and we gave we we you know we indicted him for something. Why can't y'all be happy about it? Like what else do you I think, want? I think um, how you touched on it being a joke. I think the reason why it's a joke is because we we eventually stop protesting. Like exactly. we should still we should honestly still be protesting because it's like why did why be. did it, why did it stop? Like one day we were just like, all right. I remember it was like three weeks straight for the George Floyd thing. Like it's like, oh, there's a protest here, there's a protest there. But it's like if you're gonna stop, it's like, all right, it, 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 there's something else to be mad about later. And I think that's just their game plan. Like they'll forget. And what's yeah. funny about that is there you now have more of a reason to protest. Like it was just George Floyd at first, and then it was Breonna Taylor, and then it was. Um, and Aubrey was before, actually. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was yeah. like all these like things that happened. And so I would, I thought the outrage would grow, and and I feel like it has, but I think I think naturally people get discouraged, um, because you know how long do you spend in the streets protesting before you see, like, what is the right time to stop protesting? Like, when when do you stop protesting, or when do you up the ante, or when do you calm down? Like, I feel like we get crumbs, and we stop doing things because we are supposedly satisfied with the fact that we got something. And then another I thing that's, I think I really don't think that's why people stop protesting. I just think we get to a point of protest where a lot of people are pro no one's really I feel like black people as a whole, we never move as one. So it's like people are out there for different reasons. So then once certain reasons are just really not really pressing for people. So it's just like at this point, um, you know, we get tired of it. Like some people are like you can only be angry for so long. So once the yeah. anger passes, it's like, all right, cool. Now what? Yeah. Yeah, it's like where does that energy go? Like, yeah, you want it to ultimately like transfer into some sort of to into action into terms of you know more organized action. But again, what does that look like? I think we still have this kind of old school playbook that we kind of inherited from the civil rights era, where those folks were just protesting for days and years and years and years. You see how long it took for that movement to kind of uh, end in some sort of substantive change. Uh, I think it was yeah. like eight eight or nine years, and even then they still didn't do everything that they set out to do. Uh, but I think that that's, that's, that's hard now because I think, you know, we kind of have a microwave society. So if you're not able to get something done instantly within like a few weeks or a month, people are going to move on. People, there are too many distractions right now. Yeah. And ultimately, also you know, when we can, we, sh when we should, we certainly, like, I agree, we certainly should be continuing to protest and continue to kind of putting our energy behind demanding more. But, you know, people have jobs, people have things, other things that they want to do with themselves. They don't want to be angry all the time. They are global pandemic so it's not necessarily yeah. like safe for everyone to protest like some people have mm. health concerns that that are like oh or whatever not even that that's, that's an important thing I think a lot of people are just going through a lot you have different things that may go on in your life or different yeah. obligations that you have and as much as you might want to be on the front lines you may have to kind of like accept that that that's not really where you can be I also feel like in in uh revolutions or or you know things like this where 
the country is like so divided. I also think that everybody has different roles. Like you have people who protest. Um, you have people who are like, like in positions where maybe they can do something about it. Like maybe in law enforcement or, or maybe they work for like a district attorney's office or stuff. So I don't think it's necessarily like everyone has to be a protester, but I do think that this outrage should just keep growing if the situation keeps getting worse. I, I don't think you should be any quieter. I don't think you should protest any less. I don't think you should be any less angry. And it's okay to be angry. Mm -hmm. I also think a lot of people feel like they can't be angry. Like you don't want to come off as angry. It's okay to be angry. I'm angry. You know, it's frustrating when you see people that look like you get murdered in the street and no one is held accountable for it. It's kind of yeah. like, okay, well, pick up the body, the coroner's office picks up the body, and then it's like, okay, everyone goes home. These people get to go home to their families. Meanwhile, there's someone who doesn't get to go home from their from their family. So I, I, I understand why it has died down, but I also feel like it needs to, we need to get back to it. Like it has, also, to, something has to get. Just what you said about revolutions. Like I think black people don't also have a leader. So I think one thing like with Obama, and I never put this on Obama, is I think a lot of people looked at Obama as being this leader for, for black for black causes, but he was never the leader for black causes. He was the president of the United States. I think that's way different. I know like in the 2000s, like there's even like, I mean, think what you want, but there's like, we had people to point to like, there's Al Sharpton, yep. there's Jesse Jackson, like right now, yeah. like who's the guy right now? Cause we, we all don't like Sean King. Don't like DeRay. DeRay, uh, DeRay, I don't know what he does. Um, but yeah, so Lamont Hill be sitting courtside at Sixers games. Like, I don't know who the guy is. Like, until Amanda there's a Seals, leader, there's no Ice Cube. Like, there's like, no. And the thing is, uh, all these people who call Mike. themselves the leaders be arguing amongst each other. So it's like, yeah. you can't protest. Like we have to stop putting people in position. Because I think one of, like, is, for me, I was saying to somebody earlier, like, as someone who's, like, been in, like, a, like, I did, my major in college was pre-law. Um, I intend to go to law school. And that was a conversation that um, like black, like the black pre-law students would always bring up. Like, where has all the leadership gone? You know, like our, our you know, my grandparents had, our grandparents had, you know, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and all these different people. And again, we don't, I feel like we're kind of substituting it with like black celebrities. And that's not always the best course of action because half the time they don't even know what they're talking about. I mean, they also and, had celebrities too. Like, I, I'll never forget, like, uh, Malcolm X has that interview, like, playing Dick, uh, what's his name? Dick Gregory, RIP. Dick Gregory, like, yeah. You don't look to comedians to push a movement. And I remember, like, they had beef for that, but it was just like, now we're looking at. And the thing is, I feel bad for the celebrities because those are the black people who hang out with these white people who can really, you know, talk to them. But at mm -hmm. the end of the day, you're not like, you're spending all these hours even building well, a brand. I why I also like, feel like, picking celebrities is is kind of like not the best course of action is because celebrities are in somewhat detached from reality. Yeah. Um, they're very privileged. Um, yeah. and, and a lot of people and a lot of people want to say, oh, like black and privileged can't go in the same conversation, but that's not true. It's it's important for everyone to acknowledge their privilege in every situation. You know, like I mean, I don't have no privilege, but you know, if you're if you're a man, you're not privileged. You feel, like, I feel like for sure, like even all of us right now to even have oh, yeah, that's platform, like, that's in the sense that I'm more privileged than someone I'm, 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 from, I'm from the suburbs. I'm more privileged than someone who may come mm -hmm. from like, a, like an urban community or, or like Violent. a, you know, whatever. But I think, you know, if, as someone who makes over the $400,000 that we keep hearing about your 
everyday struggles are not the same as my everyday struggles. So the things that I'm particularly concerned about in this election, you may not be concerned about in this election, like, because you're far removed from reality. So I feel like sometimes we have to be mindful of that and pick people that understand what's going on and are willing to remove themselves from their pedestal to do the work that is required to kind of propel our people, our community into a better space. One thing I'll say, just touching on that, that I just thought about when you're saying that, it's like, I think that's one thing that's different about black people and white people. Like black people, we will be like, oh, like celebrities, we don't want to look towards these people to lead our movement. But like poor white people love Donald Trump. They love homie in the eighties. They love Ronald Reagan. That's what I'm saying, homie in the eighties, Ronald Reagan. So it's like, they look at these people as the American dream. I think black people are too smart and they realize this really isn't the American dream. They just got lucky. Um, So I think that's where the line is different seeing black people. And that probably has nothing to do with this, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. I think think it's actually interesting that you say that because I think that's true. Like I think, but I also feel like the, the things that, especially in this election, the things that are important in this election for black people are not as important for white people. So I, I don't think. So I have a question for you and probably everyone actually. Do you think, um, do you think, so one thing that I always say is white people can never vote against their interests, right? So it's just like when, <laughs> you're, voting, what? So when you're voting, <laughs> like, like for example, let's say like Democrats really came to be like, really like to push a black agenda. I always say, this is funny because it's a political podcast, but I always say like white people, they, they try to like, they, they'll give us a little bit, like they'll cut a little bit more of the pie each election. Like every four years, maybe black people get a little bit more of the pie. But the thing is, once we get to the point where white people are like, damn, they have too much of the pie, they're, we're bo- they're voting against their own interests. If, if we're pushing our agenda at the end of the day, and I was just, that's just something that I see, but I, I want to know if you guys felt the same way. I, so I, I, I'll take that a little bit. Um, so if you talk to like a white person that follows politics and is more racist, the first thing they'll say is that black people do not vote for black issues. And the reason why I say that is because during the Democratic primaries, a lot of candidates actually had a very black specific plans. Uh, I think like um, uh, Mayor Buttigieg, I like the, um, I forgot the name of his plan, but he had like a very black specific plan. I think Bloomberg had one. I think uh, Elizabeth Warren had one. Uh, but they all did poorly in South Carolina. So South Carolina had like, a pretty high like black electorate there. And they elected the guy or they voted for the guy, Joe Biden, who didn't release a black plan at all. His only thing was, I work for the black guy and you guys know me. So until like our voting base actually like, acknowledges the fact like, hey, we should be asking more for our Democratic Party. We're just going to keep seeing more of the same, unfortunately. I mean, but don't you think that's just like the nature of politics? Because... Uh, white people also vote against their interests because a lot of the middle of America voted for Trump and Trump's not for their interests too. So well, you just yeah. said white people didn't vote against their interests though. No, no, no. He, he saying, asked, no, he no, asked no, if, no, if white people can vote against their interests. Can they, can they? Yeah. I, I said well, something they last did, yeah. Yeah, I said I, something last week about, uh, what, did I, what was I talking about? Uh, white women and how I've noticed a trend in like how white women vote. Um, I think with Black people, we're not really afforded the luxury of kind of like seesaw between like who we want to vote for. We kind of have to always choose like the lesser of two evils. Like it's kind of like we have to go with who we feel like is going to give us as close as what we're looking for, even if that means that that's nothing at all, honestly. And I feel like white people really could care less. Like I don't, I think 
you will find that most white people now are voting for Trump, not because of any like political thing, but just simply because he allows them to just be as racist as they want to be. And also just even tying into that, because I have, I know I like work with white people who voted for Trump. I think white people and black people both don't believe in the system and Trump for white people is them not believing in the system. So they're voting for him simply because they don't believe in the system and that's their, they don't believe in the system guys. Like if Diddy ran and black people actually believed in Diddy and they were like, oh, well, Diddy's so different than Barack and Biden yeah. and these guys. That's how they look at Trump. Yeah, he's not a politician. This is yeah, kind that's of his, literally his, why, his, his, that's his literally why he was the perfect guy to go against yeah. Hillary. I, I mean, to that's be fair, when when Barack Obama ran, he was the outsider, quote unquote, even though he was a senator for for, for a few years. Like the thing was, the thing like it's usually what happens is that someone who's outside of Washington who can kind of come in and kind of shake things up. Um, you, you can even go back to I think you know Jimmy Carter wasn't a creature of Washington. He was kind of an outsider coming into reform. Ronald yeah. Reagan, same thing. Governor of California, movies former movie star who came in, he was going to change things up. Even George Bush, you know, he was you know CIA, but he was you know someone who wasn't a politician. Like again and uh, again, you see people come Bill in. Clinton too. So. Bill Clinton also from our, uh, governor of Arkansas. So it's always we kind of do turn to people who are kind of outside of the Washington system because again, wa the way the Washington looks at the world is doesn't really reflect the way that you know I think the rest of the world sees sees the rest of the world or sees Washington or well, whatever. I think the views are kind of, the, they just don't mesh for whatever reason. But um, I do think, uh, Carl, you said something interesting about uh, white women privilege. There's a clip going on around Twitter about a woman who, about there's, I guess, a focus group of women on Vice and uh, a woman was explaining why she voted for Trump. And I guess the answer that she gave was something to the effect of, you know, she voted for him, not really thinking of it. She was actually a Biden supporter, but she just voted for Trump because it was a joke to her. It didn't really matter. And surrounding her, it was wild because around her, around her, it's you know there's you know a bunch of women of color, Latino women, Latino women, um, black women, Asian women who are kind of just sitting there looking at her crazy because she's kind of explaining like, oh, it didn't really mean anything to her. She didn't think he was going to win. It was just a joke. And then there's a lot of privilege that comes with that position. And I think that that's kind of one of the things getting back to Dua's question. You know, can white people vote against their interests? I think they do have the privilege to know that you know, worse come to worse they're going to be okay. So they can vote against their interest. They can vote against their interest whenever they can. I have drove past some of the most raggedy homes I have ever seen in my life with Trump stickers. I mean, Trump Trump signs in the front and all these things and flags and stuff. And you, Wait, and you, you went to Florida? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I'm like- Jersey too, man. I'm like, you know, and I, and I always, and I, and I was talking to one of my old professors about this the other day. And I was like, you know, it's funny to me because, you know, Trump is talking about taking away your health care. He's talking about, you know, not really giving you any support to get out of these situations that you're in, the circumstances that you're in. Um, he's not really trying to help you provide any better for your family. He's not really trying to do anything for you because you are a part of this quote unquote class that Trump chooses to ignore. He doesn't, he doesn't care about it. And, and it's funny to me because everyone is always saying how a lot of white women are now saying how they're outraged about the, what the last four years have looked like and they're disgusted and they feel horrible because they voted for this man believing that this was going to be. And, and it's funny to me because Trump has done everything he said he was going to do. So it's the privilege that allows you to kind of just be like, oh, I made a bad decision four years ago. I voted for the wrong person and I'm 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 sad to see I'm sad to see what this has turned into. So that's exactly just a just a touch you on what know, you said. Just what you said about like the raggedy homes thing. Like 
that's literally what I was saying, where it was like Trump, Trump is the the American dream for poor white people. Like, like that's why I try to compare it to like Diddy and like Jay-Z. Like if I'm this kid from, you know, the middle of the country and it's like all these presidents have come, like Trump is a white guy. I mean, he he did get his $1 million loan from his dad, but yeah. Trump is from, he's not from one of these great American families. Like he, you see his name on all these buildings and you're like, yo, I want to be that guy. So that's such an easy sell to middle of America. That's why this guy is like uh, evil genius because he's selling to those people. But at the end of the day, he's really only helping rich people. So it's like, he's helping yeah. the rich people, but then he's also getting the vote from that poor, it's like a sick manipulation, but. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll just like add my little two cents here. Um, so I was like listening to like the New York Times Daily Podcast, and they were talking about like these white women in suburban neighborhoods because uh, whoever is going to win the election has to dominate the suburbs, unfortunately. And to Kari's point, like these white women are just like their only concern was just how unpresidential Trump acted. It wasn't really much of his policies. It wasn't really anything like that. It was just like how unprofessional he acted while in office, and how like they were fearful how that like, that would like translate to their kids growing up and i'm like they're idiots sorry you know yes 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 <laughs> yes sorry that's just so dumb like you knew yeah. what did you think like, back in 2016 when this dude was acting crazy in debates that he that he was going to be good everything was going to be all chill when he got in the office get the fuck out of here you thought he was going to be a nice guy once he got in the office come on uh, you still had a on and off markets but uh i do want to move on uh, because like, you know, you know, Dawn and I, we do have ties in Philadelphia. So I do want to talk about this one case. So yeah. right now ongoing in Philadelphia, uh, the people are protesting the streets. It's, I don't know if I want to call them riots or not, but people are protesting in Philadelphia. The reason why is because uh, Walter Wallace Jr. Uh, he was gunned down by uh, uh, two Philadelphia police officers and shot him 14 times. Um, he's Caught on a video again too, which is nuts. And I, I tell myself like, I'm not going to click on the video because I, I you know, I, I can't see another person that looks like me just selflessly gunned down, like, yeah, gunned down by, you know, two white cops, right? Yeah, even I, clicked if the, show, I clicked on that shit without knowing what was about to happen. Buddy. Right, right. Yeah. Even if it's, like, justified or not, it's just they still it's really hurtful to see it because you're just so used to seeing it again and again and again and again, you know? Um, I, I think as someone who has an older brother. I have an older brother. Um, I, and I think just in general, I, I worry about my brother a lot more than I used to. Um, and, you know, my brother is like, he's, he's not, he's, you know, not your typical, cause, but it's like, it's not even about the way a person is because that doesn't mm -hmm. give anybody the right. But, you know, a lot of people think, if you're complicit, if you if you comply, if you, if you show your hands, if you you know follow instructions, if you do all these things, you get to go home. But we have seen that that is not the case at all. You know this 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 man who you know suffered from mental health issues, which is a a very prevalent problem in the black community. But his mom was there, you know, advocating for him, like you know, please don't, please don't. And this man had a knife. You know, I, I'm I'm. I feel like we have to start talking about what are the de-escalation tactics that are being like learned at the police academy and why do you just choose not to use them? Like, you know, this this whole situation could have been 100 percent avoidable, like most yeah. situations. Um, he, he wasn't doing anything. You know, he, he was you know, there was so many different things you could have 
tased him. You could have tackled him. You could have, you they know, have tasers though. The cops you know, didn't have tasers around. Like you don't have the tools you need. So it's like you only have a gun. So mm -hmm. if you're if you're if you're needing to defend yourself, that's your only option. You know, I and I I just feel like it's very I'm getting kind of that is I get very emotional about this, but it's like I get kind of numb because I feel right. like a part of my daily morning routine is, you know, waking up, I check the news about like COVID and everything else, especially everything going on with this election. I, I'm I'm more into the news than I am now. But it almost as a, appears as being black in America is kind of like just having to accept that when you wake up in the morning and you check the news, um, you're going to see someone is gone. You're going to see that someone that looks like you is dead. And I just feel like it's, it's very hurtful because you kind of wonder, like, what can be done about it? And you kind of feel like nothing because it keeps happening. Uh, and like Marcus said yeah. on video, it's like there, there's no accountability. It used to be like, damn, how much did this stuff happen that we don't know about? And then video came out. And then it's like, okay, we see it on video. And that doesn't matter. George Floyd was on video. Obviously, like, run video. They never held accountable for it. It's you would think video was supposed to be the equalizer. Like, okay, we have all these, we have all this tape on video. Like, I don't think like we caught. I think like glimpses of I think uh, Trayvon Martin uh, on video. Like there was like an aftermath of video, but he, he saw like uh, what's his name, the uh, Tamir Rice in Cleveland get shot by a cop, and was like, you know, oh, video, this, yeah. this kind of this kind of proves that like, you know, if if a kid if a kid that age can kind of get killed like for no reason, not in this killer, not be held accountable, like what hope is there for any of us for any adult? <laughs> And that's just that's the other, oh you got it Carly. Oh, I'm sorry. It's especially when you see other videos of like white men causing a ruckus, causing havoc, being running around with guns and weapons and attacking the police, and all they do is de-escalate. Being a threat to it's how, they, how they value black lives though. So it just really comes down to that. And like that's what it is. That's like, like one thing about that video. I don't know if you I know Carly saw it, but the cops were afraid. Like they were afraid for them. Terror, they were terrified. Like, they were terrified. It's like, yo, don't yeah. put these people in West Philadelphia. And the thing is, like, when I found out where it is, because Gus lives right by there, because you remember he said in the group chat, I know exactly where Gus lives. Like, that's not even the hood. So it's like, why are you even afraid over here? Like, yeah. I understand it's a black, it's a black neighborhood, but you're not even the hood. So first off, one thing I, I've noticed with like the history of all these cases, it's about how the cops are being taught. So the cops are taught to shoot like in during these situations. Even, and the fact that they even shot as many shots as they shot, they could have shot him one time in the leg, he would have fell. So it's like you were shooting to kill. You weren't shooting to like put him down. Like that, that's that's first off. And as someone who's been, I've dealt with cops so many different times in my life from like, it's funny because uh, Carly brought up her brother and I've even been around situations where Ty was with me and like, I put him in situations where the cops was there because I'm me and Ty are different people. Like, so it's like I, I just remember being young and it's just like, you know, I'm I'm happy to be alive because I've been in some situations where it's like this could have been a bad, this could have been bad, I could have been in jail. Even recently, I actually just got my license back. I was profiled because I was black driving a BMW. Like there's right. so many different things that it's just how the cops would talk. Yeah, Absolutely. even picking up on that, like on, on the on the, uh, the the training on what they're being taught, like that's that's kind of like and trying to figure out like, how, where we go from here. I don't know if we want to move on to that point, but it's like, that's one of the things when we talk about reforming the police, like we have to look at the way, like, like you're sending in people that one are trained to like not deescalate, but to kind of like maim these people and kill these people. Like there needs to be more training focused on deescalating situations. And two, you need also have, you need to have people that can go into these, t these areas and aren't afraid and aren't fearful and acting from a place of fear, but acting more from a place of understanding. Like we need to like, 
again, do I, you said that the places, you said that this neighborhood, you know, it's it's not that it's not bad. If cops are going into areas like this and they're and they're already acting like, oh man, this is not where I want to be. I need to be, I need to be on my toes. I need to be ready to, you know, to fight to to fight or to shoot. You're already operating from a place of, you know, where something bad is going to happen. Like we need to have people that one are either cool under fire, that are, that are mentally prepared to go into these situations and you know know what they're doing rather than going to these places where they're you know at a, where they want to just take out, you know, whatever whoever's coming at them. And not I even see them as humans. Like that's that's a scary thing that we have to kind of like confront and then look to reform. And if it means you know tearing up you know training manuals for across police stations across the country, we need to like really look into that. And then and I think you know whoever comes out and argues for reform, that needs to be one of the tenets. Like we need to ha- make sure that we have the right people, the best people that we can get for these cop uh, for these police uh, jobs, not just people that are just willing to do it who don't know what they're doing. All right, so that 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 sounds nice. Um, so one thing first, I think Lincoln University just came out of a police academy. Uh, so shout out to Lincoln University. Um, but like that all sounds nice. But at the end of the day, Lincoln uh, University, made, PA, by the way, like the Pennsylvania one. Yeah, yeah, the Pennsylvania okay. one. Yeah, the HBC. Um, so like, uh, so again, that's that all sounds nice. But the, the key issue is, is, is accountability, right? Um, because like you can give these cops all the training in the world. If they can go into the neighborhood and shoot and kill like a black person and they know that for a fact that like a grand jury is not going to indict them, a prosecutor is going to defend them, what difference does the amount of training makes really? It's all about no, accountability. Yeah. Preve- prevention? No, no, but, Don't you yeah. want to, pre- we want to prevent the this thing, from happening the reason again? Why we're saying training is, I think we think that they're being trained to do that. So it's that, it's how they're being trained. Okay. Yeah. So there's two points, right? So like, yes, there has been like the training calls in the past where the city or the state or whoever um, trains the cops and like you know for sensitivity training but like a lot of these police unions have like an opt-out clause for these cops which these police officers were trained they can opt out of the state or city sanctioned training and do their own personal training and that's where in that own personal training they get trained to like you know do violent stuff go out there and kill people for their own self-defense i'm saying me personally i think if you want real action now like you have to give these guys accountability like Look, you do this, you're going to jail. And we have to like reform the law to like in fact accountability on that. I think one one of the biggest things about like law and, and even in, in like with even when it comes to criminals, like in and when you're learning about criminal law, one of the biggest they say the 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 goals of our criminal justice system is supposed to be like deterrence, rehabilitation, and retribution or whatever. Deterrence is this theory that if you punish someone for doing something other people will not do the same thing because they are now scared that they are going to get the same consequences as this person who has previously been punished. There's no deterrence in law enforcement nowadays because my partner just shot someone yesterday, killed them, and he's here with me doing his job. Right. So (laughs) I shoot this person, I'm going to be, I'm going to have a job tomorrow. Like, it's like, I don't have to feel like I'm going to lose my job because nobody has lost their job. So it's like the accountability comes because it's further, it's getting worse because the more we allow or the more these things go un, you know, unpunished, un, un, untalked about, un, unsolved, 
just leaves kind of like a door open for other people to kind of feel like, and especially when it comes to black people, like there has been this, this narrative in this country that it, that black lives are just disposable. They do not matter. Like that is why we say black lives matter because we have lived in a country that has per perpetuated this theory that our lives are just valueless. And it's, and if we want if we want to be honest, it's been that way since we arrived here. I don't, I don't, I feel like we are not valued and therefore there's no punishment when someone does something to harm us. Because I think the way I see it in the eye is it's like one less, one less, you know, black person we have to deal with. It's like, you're out of here. You know, white, you know, white people say, if you say that to them, they'll be like, y'all don't even value each other. Like then they'll start breaking up the black violence crime. That's, black, that's, 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 that's the shit that would get to be tight. Same here, because like there is white violence. Because we we always use and in, in, in the 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 worst part about it is I usually hear black on black crime from other black people. So, I you know I so. and you know and, and white on white crime is not a thing. Hispanic on Hispanic is not a thing. Asian on Asian is not a thing because crime is crime. It happens mm -hmm. everywhere to anybody. Um, it just further, it's just, it's only, you know, targeted towards us because it further perpetuates the stereotype that we're aggressive towards each other, we're violent, we're, we have no self-control and, you know, we do it to ourselves. So if you don't care about yourself, why should, you know, you do it to, why, like, why should, if you don't care why about each other, why, why, should about, yeah. why should we care about you? And that's wrong. Like, that's not a way of thinking because, it's situational. Like, do I agree with the high crime rates in, in certain places? No, but I also understand that there are, you know, societal factors that contribute to these high crime rates that no one wants to talk about. And one thing just even to touch on that, and this probably has nothing to do with this conversation, is mm -hmm. like, black, like, I'm tired of like, black people looking at like, being like, the crime and being poor is blackness. Like, I feel like black people have elevated so far past that. So it's just like, I think a lot, like, I think black people are the only people in the world that get judged by our, our lowest end. I don't wanna say lowest end people, but like our, like we get, we get judged by our criminals more than any other race. Like no one ever talks about Asian people, our, our bad other Asian poor people or white people. Yeah. yeah. White people are, you know, statistically more violent than black people. Mm -hmm. um, the poorest person, the the poorest, you know, the poorest group, the the per, the group that uses these these governmental assistance that quote unquote poor people use are white people. White people use welfare. Overwhelming. Look at the self. Look at the self. <laughs> and so this idea that we don't we don't deserve respect or we don't deserve, um, you know, justice because we're violent or we kill each other is, is just not true because that doesn't apply in other situations. Like if a white man chooses to kill another white man today, it's just two white people that killed each other. It's no, not no, like- It's, oh, just, it's no, just two people. No, no, no. One yes. person's meant to disturb, first off. It's two people that have, you know, that for some reason got into it and, and then this, this, this is the outcome. I feel like it's only black people where everything that we we do is kind of like supposedly like this exclusive thing like it only exists in, in black communities like oh using welfare uh doing drugs selling drugs uh owning guns unlawfully like using guns unlawfully that happens everywhere and you know it's 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 even more frustrating when it comes from someone of color you know or like i don't like to say people of color i like to say black people but 
it's more frustrating when it comes from your own because it's like how ignorant and out of don't you like using people of color just i just just curious i don't like to use the term people of color because it's not interchangeable like me my experience as a black person is not the same experience as someone else of of color like a mexican person you know um we are the only people that experience what we experience at the rate in which we experience them. Carly, how do you feel about um, Hispanics people's beef with, this probably has nothing to do with what y'all saying, but Hispanic people have this beef with black people. They have this beef with black people, um, even though black people, um, whenever black people do something that causes change in America, it helps all the other minorities. But I remember recently, I forgot what shorty she, I think she was on, on um, what's that show where the women are wearing Orange in jail. Orange is the new black. Orange is the oh, new, new black. Hispanic girl was mad because something happened in the Hispanic community. They were like, where are all the black people talking about it? It's just like, that's why y'all there to speak for your people. But black I, people speak for every race. So I want to know how do you feel about that. that? Because I actually wrote in a paper uh, my senior year of, uh, I think it was college, like whatever, um, about how black people kind of just have to be our own allies. We have to stop feeling like, with the exception, the only group I feel like we have to include in our in our stuff is the LGBT community because there are Black LGBT, LGBTQ members, so they cannot be excluded. But Black people have this 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 thing where we feel like we have to be everyone's champion. Like because we've experienced so much injustice, we cannot sit by and watch other injustices happen to other people because we know what it feels like. I don't necessarily feel like we need to be everyone's Trojan horse. You know, it everyone has to kind of at this point, I feel like stand on their own two feet. I'm not trying to like be divisive in anything, but it's like, how much do we have to show up for people and they don't show up for us for we start to realize we're on our own here? Cause it's like every time we do something for somebody else and we champion for somebody else and then they say some off the wall racist shit, we're like, I can't believe they said that after all we did for them, after how much. Um, well, can I ask one more question? That's kind of like off base, just because Carly's on this this lane. Hey, hey, you you are the founder of what you expect, so I I, I cannot tell you no. Carly, how do you, you can fire about, me? What a sick of About um, and y'all can actually chime in on this. How do you feel about? Um, so this is something I actually said to some of my friends who are like Haitian and Jamaican, but it's like African people felt like I just I just I I noticed this too. But it's like a lot of African people felt like until recently, but like Marcus says, the NSARS thing has been going on for over a month. But until recently, people until like, you know, you started seeing people wrapped in the Nigerian flag, bleeding, getting killed, but nobody was really talking for it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people do, like, do you feel like all black yeah. people should fight for each other, too? Or it's just like black Americans or black people who live in America should fight for black American causes? Um, I will say, I think we are, we do have to acknowledge that there is definitely a divide amongst Black Americans, um, Africans, even true African Americans, Caribbeans. There's definitely a divide only because we have different cultural experiences. You know, like African people are more in tune with their roots. We're very displaced. Caribbean people have their own unique culture. Um, I think we have to stop being divided, though, because at the end of the day, we're still all Black people. And I, and I say this all the time. Black people in America, whether you're Jamaican, Trinidadian, African, whether that's Nigerian, whatever, Black people in America have the same enemy, and that is systemic racism and oppression. 
And being that we all experience it, I don't really see how where we come from or where we were dropped off at really makes the difference in how we show up for each other. You know, like on paper, we all black, you know, and we all share similar, you know, like what is what's the word? We we all come from similar origins. And I don't think it matters like where our culture comes from. I think it matters that we are all black and we have a responsibility right. as black people. Uh, but my, I'm saying like, yeah, so our so when I said black American, I meant all black people that live in America. Oh, okay. like, do we only do we only like should should we only be worried about like that live in this country? Be, like if something happened in Jamaica, whether you're African, African American, um Trinidadian like should we all as black people feel the same way about what happened in Jamaica that happened to George Floyd like do you feel that responsibility um I do I I I feel honestly I'm really torn on two things because I in the same sense I feel like America has to stop trying to we have to stop trying to like tell other countries what to do because it's like we're not even doing what we need to do but at the same time, it's like wrong is wrong. And that's the type of person I am. Like wrong is wrong. Like the shit that's going on in Nigeria is not okay. Like it doesn't matter where it's going on. Like it's not okay for people to just die for no reason. And and, and I feel that way about anyone. But I also feel like I'm a little irritated because I get tired of like no one having our back, but we show up for everybody. I mean, like I gave up on that a long time ago, but I think it is important for us to recognize injustices in other countries, especially ones that deal with like black people. And we should speak about it and we should talk about it and we should care about it and definitely like at least acknowledge that it's happening. I, I don't I don't think it matters if you're African or if you're black. I think if you see something happening to other black people, whether it's here, Europe, like you know, Asia, whatever, then you should feel some type of way about it. Yeah, I mean Ideally, I would like to feel that like any injustice to black people anywhere is, you know, is kind of an, uh, in other countries is kind of the same here. Like we should be standing in solidarity and supporting, you know, people in Nigeria or wherever there's kind of, you know, black people suffering. We should be stand we should be standing aside on the side of them. At the same time, like I got, I, I will be honest. When the first like when the stars news broke, I think a few weeks ago, you know, I was kind of like, oh man, you know, that just sounds like you know the same old stuff that's been going on. Um, I'm not really going to kind of dive into kind of hearing about this because it's kind of lingered. I've kind of taken more of an interest, but like usually my, the fact, my like, you know, natural response to this thing is like, oh, that sounds like a, that sounds like a problem for that country. You know, it doesn't, yeah. it's not like a problem here. Yeah, that, that was, that was my main. Yeah. And, you know, I feel bad about that because I don't want to feel that way, you know, but, you know, but, you know, if it's something going on here, it's a lot easier, I think, to kind of feel a certain type of way and feel that you can, you know, kind of, you know, stand with those people or try to support those people. Whereas when it's another country, it's like, I don't know if I have a right to kind of stand up for them. And it seems crazy, especially after like seeing all of the Black Lives Matter protests that we're seeing in other in other parts of the world. Like even in England and France, we've seen like a lot of people kind of take up that mantle for stuff that's happening to us here. And yeah. I think it'd be great if kind of adopt that same kind of mentality when things were happening, you know, in Nigeria, in Jamaica, in, you know, Caribbean. Yeah, that, we should be I just wanted to highlight well. that because I noticed that me being a Ghanaian American where it was like, I noticed a lot of my 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 people like my my group chats like my group chats with non um Ghanaian like or non West African people because I've like a chat where it's just like mostly people from West Africa they've been talking about this shit. Uh, we never talked about it in any of my group chats until recently. You started seeing you know some posts you know um, Darian shout out to Darian he runs our social media shit he started posting shit, but before that like we weren't on it early and 
those countries be riding for American black people. So, or black people in America, but that's also because they have family here, you know, there's different ties, but I just think, you know, I just wanted to know how y'all felt about that. Yeah, and I just wanted to add like, on top of Daw's point. So like, again, like uh, my family's from Barbados. So uh, in the group chat too, like in our local, in the local news over there, like you're seeing the same thing. Like as soon as the Black Lives Matter protest started here, over in Barbados, it's just like, we still have traces of colonialism here, which is get rid of it. They ride so hard for Black Lives Matter here in the United States, but like you don't see the reciprocation back and forth there. Um, but yeah, good, good, good point though, Marcus. I mean, yeah, that's a really good point. So let me just ask you guys this. So like here domestically, like what do we do, right? So what do we do? We talked, we had like a long conversation about like uh, police brutality. Uh, we had a long conversation about like- Are we sure we have time for that? Cause you don't want me to get my Dr. Umar cap on. You're not ready, you're not ready I, for that. We might need a podcast dedicated for the plan. As I said, that you are the president of what you expect. I'm not going to stop you in any way or sense like that. But anyways, like, so I wanted to talk about this. So there's actually a new black militia that's been uh, protesting around the country. Uh, they are called NFAC, uh, so Not Fucking Around Coalition. Uh, so like, they're, again, my question is, it seems like they're like the return to Black Panthers. Uh, so my question to all three of you guys is, do you guys support more black militias? You know, no. Yes. No. I do. I do. I do. I do. But the, let me tell you why I'm going to say no. Because <laughs> oh, and this, this just ties into what I, did, what I said in the beginning. We can't move separately. Like, we have all these different groups. Like, and this is the thing. Like, yes, it's good to have a militia. But I think what needs to happen is, I don't, once again, first, we need to identify who the leaders are. Like, we need to start, like, we need to have a Black people vote. Like, you know how we vote for... Um, like the president, like, I think like we need to take the black population and we have a vote, like who's going to be the black president. And then from there, we start building. You said what? Like a black, like our own black election. election. Like it doesn't have anything to do with politics, but the thing is when you have this black militia, let's say this black militia doesn't agree with something that's going on over like, and this is what happens in Africa, actually. So in Africa, like remember, West Africa is probably the size of half of like, let's say the East Coast. Like Ghana's, yeah. like Ghana's like the D, the size of the DMV. So right. like you got to think about it this way. Like if Ghana has beat, like Ghana, let's say Ghana goes to war with Mali, that's like New York going to war with North Carolina. So it's like mm-hmm. when you have all these different black militias, like you can still have different black agendas. Can, can so I? I think for me, I I definitely am in support of it, but I, I kind of have to, I, I agree. I think there has to be organization. Um, I was actually just saying like the other day, I was talking about how like, like it comes full circle, but like how Kim Kardashian has almost like turned herself into like this criminal justice reform person, but she's kind of done it on the backs of like actual black women who are lawyers and stuff like that. And I that think- That is a business model, yeah. Yeah, like I think, <laughs> I think, um, the same, I, I feel the same way. I think it's important to actually have people that that not only have a voice, but I think if we're going to use our celebrities in our in our community as leaders, I think it's important for them to do it so in a way that is actually in communication with people who 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 have studied this, who have spent years doing this this type of things, who have a kind of an idea of how black people need to move forward. As and, how, and how white America works. Like, we don't know what this militia is. Like, yeah. for example, like yeah. the Bloods and Crips could be a militia. 
You know what I'm they saying? Could. Like, yes. like, like yes. if you know about the they foundation could. of Bloods and Crips, like I, white people make it seem like this crazy thing, but at the end of the day, the Bloods and Crips were made to protect the black community. Like that, that's their foundation. So yes. they're uh, techni- technically a militia. So that's but what I'm I, saying. I, I think if you, if, you, if you see it that way, that's true. Cause you know, and it's actually funny cause like the Bloods and Crips get so much scrutiny. Meanwhile, you know, white, yeah, yeah. white gangs and stuff like, kind like of- Like Hell's Angel, for example. And yeah, like even um, you said, what Hell's Angels? Yeah, that's Angels. like uh, uh, Aryan Brotherhood. But yeah. I think when I think about what if we had a militia, um, it would definitely require a lot more organization and unity than ever before. Because you have to understand, not all black people are outraged. And I said this again last week: not all black people are outraged about what's going on. Like there are some black people who are either for it. Or they're like, that's that's their business. They, and that, you know, and, and that's exactly. And what Carly just said is one hundred percent right. Because there's so many different black people on different spectrums of being black. So like, there's poor black people, there's rich black people who went through the system, so they kind of believe in the system. Like Daniel Cameron, like we're all black at the end of the day, which is why I say we need a black election. I'm gonna start pushing for what you expect. Twenty twenty one. And I think this will be, a. I think, honestly, we should work on this. Like, we should start identifying Black people in different communities. Like, I, it could be a big-ass project where it's like, this is the guy in St. Louis. Like, this is the guy who's really pushing for Black movement in St. Louis and Kansas and New York. Like, once we can start identifying these people, it'll be easier to cr- create this militia. Uh, so my... My whole thing is like, uh, in some cities, we should already have that in place. Like, for example, like Philadelphia should be one, Atlanta should be one, like Memphis should be another. Um, we're just they not seeing places with the militias. No, I'm just saying, like, in terms of like electing like a leader, like, you know, black people are the majority in those cities. And like the leader that they elected should be like that black leader. And that's just not the case, unfortunately. So, like, I mean, I get, I get what you're, I get what you're saying, because if you look at like Newark, it's like, uh, what's his that's name? Baraka. Uh, yeah. So like, I, like Newark is that, that's like a clear city where you know, like this is the guy. Black people voted this guy in. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So like, yeah, I understand. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I, I get it. My only fear is like, uh, you know, like I don't think we're gonna like if we had like, this black election, quote unquote. I don't think we're gonna like, like the black leader if, if that. We do have other things. I mean, we're, we're going to hate it at the end of the day because no one, I don't think no one likes having a leader, but I think everything needs organization. So it's like, it's like, I'm not even saying this has anything to do with politics. Like, I mean, actually it has something to do with politics, but I'm saying like, yeah, it's political in nature. It's, it's, it's political at the end of the day and it's nature. But the thing is like, let's say we voted a black president. Like that guy might not even be a person who's running for mayor or governor, but that's the guy who like, we look to to speak for certain causes and that he has people that he works with and there's levels to it. So I know that sounds crazy. Is that, is that Kamala Harris now then? No, no, no. I think, I think what it, white people voter. one of the biggest take, like things from, the biggest takeaways for me um, with Obama is because um, from a majority of Obama's election, um, I didn't really, pay too much attention to Obama because I didn't have to. I was really young. I was in the sixth grade when Obama became president. I said, you was young as hell because I couldn't You're even vote young as hell. Get out of here. I couldn't even vote for Trump. I mean, Trump. Obama the first <laughs> I was in the sixth grade and I remember when Obama ran for um, president, I didn't really know anything about politics or anything. I, had, I hadn't even at that point taken a civics class. 
Um, and I just remember like learning more about what it meant to be like, I, I remember going getting into college and taking more law classes and more uh, political science classes and stuff. And I, and I realized how politics work. And I realized that Obama was nothing that black people thought he was going to be, nor did he ever intend to be. Um, I think black people and, and most black people, if you poll them today, will, who voted for Obama will tell you that they voted for Obama because he was black. And I don't think that there's no, anything wrong 100%. with that. I don't think there's but, anything. But what if what if they say like people are like, yeah, I voted for for Trump because he's white. Like, yeah, I but lost, I, I don't. I think, right. I, but I also feel like black people never got that experience before. We never got the opportunity to vote for a black president. So as soon as we saw like are this you, man, you, you are you satisfied with what Obama did as president? This has no once again. I don't know. This is a talking point, so you can be. Kev's we lost we lost control of the ship. It's all good. I, we're just rocking now. We'll, we'll put time stamps. We'll put time stamps. Um, as a, um, am I satisfied with? It's funny because you know it's funny you asking me that question because I was just having that's a, a no. conversation. Once yeah, <laughs> you, you go to, it's funny. That's funny. That's a, that's a nah. Uh, that's a good question. Not to, not to cut you off, but yeah, that's a queer no. Asking me that question because I was just saying to someone that I've kind of been able to. For most of my life, skate by elections without really caring because they didn't affect me um, as a child. I was a child, um, but I think when I realized like Obama, who Obama was, it's I'm not not satisfied with it, but I'm not satisfied with it. I'm not not satisfied because again, I don't feel like I was in a position to be affected by his policies or anything because I was really young. Um, but at the same time, I think Obama was a president. You know, he he was a president. Um, presidents. They swag um, surfed in the White House. But even then, uh, it's funny because I was talking to somebody and she was saying that she doesn't respect a white woman, a white girl. Um, she doesn't respect uh, the presidency um, because the president gets to do a lot of like horrible things. And that's just something that is expected of the president. And I agree. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I feel like Black people have, Black people had and they have this unrealistic view on democracy um and the president like like being what it means to be the president like politics like i feel like a lot of black people don't understand that you are not going to like the president because most presidents don't do what we need them to do they're not our presidents obama was not black america's president he was the united states of america's president and i think a lot of black people thought about this whole conversation is coming to circle because this is how we started this conversation I think a lot of black people expected Obama to get in office and just be like, yeah, you know, it's time we take care of the black people. And I just don't like that. That doesn't work. Like it doesn't work because one, you know, Congress is not going to let him do that. Nobody was going to let him do that. And I think right. Obama he couldn't do that. And I just feel like I feel the same way. Honestly, if you, the answer to your question, I feel the same way about Obama as I do every other president. Um, he is just a political figure that is an employee of, you know, the United States government. So um, he I have is a question a, for you right after you stop talking. He's, he's just a person that is expected to do a job and he has to get approval from another group of people, you know, that doesn't really care about black America. So I just really didn't understand how black people, well, Obama was going to. This is this is the hard hitting question. This is the hard hit question. This is for all y'all. Especially the two, I don't know if you guys can see it on the left, but this is also Marcus and Kev. Because I am, me being that I, I, I've, 
I've been able to, I've, I've been afforded a lot of privileges where I have, I have a decent job. I'm, I'm able to hang around black people and white people. Like I, I've been afforded certain things, but what you just said, if I'm a black person who isn't afforded what I'm afforded, I have no reason to go to the polls November 3rd. Like what you just said is black people have no hope at the end of the day, because yes, if there's a president with a certain agenda, let's say like the black agenda, let's say Biden really cares about the black agenda. If the house don't care about the black agenda or the neck, whatever, whatever level it is, it's hard. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's, it, and this is why black people feel defeated with America's political system. And I know now we're going to have full circle and they'll tell you, just go vote. Now you have to go take over a lower level to the next level. But now you're talking about years. Now you're talking about maybe this will help your grandkids. But it's just like a lot of people had the fetus, like, you know, people working 60 hours a week. I, I don't want to hear that in, you know, 50 years, maybe the black agenda will be pushed. And this is why, like a lot of, this is why a lot of black people, because we just saw eight years of a black president. Also think when we start to accept politics for what they are, um, we will be in a better position. I think I, I think unfortunately black I think black people did. That's why black people But don't. I think also black people are kind of in a position where we are very reliant on certain policies to be put in place because we want change. And I think we think that the, the change is um I think the change is gonna come from these these changes in government and these changes in policies, and that's just not always the case. It's it's very unfortunate because I feel like, like you say, like you said, black people have no motivation to vote. I'm saying be realistic in a sense that what you're asking for is probably not going to get answered because when has it ever like and the reason why the only reason why I ask that is because black people black people have the most power in voting because this is why the Democrats have been pushing for black people to vote for them and you're not black if you're not Democrat because they know if they don't have the black vote they're gonna lose. Our vote is so powerful, but our our but we don't really matter in the end of the day. Like we might get a we might, you know, next four years be able to break some shit off. I know Kev's gonna talk about this later, but you know, Trump's hanging, oh well, I did the most for black people. So it's just like, yeah, black people matter. And we matter for their voting to get them into the we matter in numbers. We definitely matter in numbers, but, but I don't at think at the end of the day, we don't really matter to the Well, you don't matter. Black people don't if you feel that you don't matter, it's because you lack like the engagement isn't there. I don't think like if expect if you expect to just vote once every four years and shit's gonna just magically get taken care of, then you're gonna get what you deserve. Yeah, hundred percent agree, Marcus. But Marcus, I even, I even spoke, I even spoke to that. I even said, like, all right, now you're gonna tell me to vote vote for lower level shit yes because you know, yes because you, you have to you have to we, 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 we equate it to white people do, like, again white people come out to every if you want to know why the aarp is such a powerful a powerful lobby why old people are uh, have their uh, concerns kind of taken care of in every election by every uh, political party and every group it's because they're going out and voting all the time if you're not engaged in the system then you're not going to right. have what you want taken care of your voice is not going to be heard you can't Again, like you can't expect anything from a system that you put nothing into, that you're not putting your voice in. If so, you're doing so this, exactly, that, that's exactly. not what that's like. That's what y'all always end up like. like oh, now it's y'all. No, it's the no. truth. Like if it's you're the not truth. Your voice in, you're going to not getting anything. Where have, where have y'all seen a black agenda work in America? Just so no one has to happen. No one's put in a, a fledged black agenda for four for over a course over a long period of time. 
it's always stops at oh we're gonna vote for we're gonna vote for Obama in 2018 in 2008 but then in 2010 so so are you saying right. right. oh, let me finish, finish. That no, 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 no. let him finish let him finish they're gonna vote for Obama in 2008 and on the pack of, oh he's gonna do so much for black people but then in 2010 when he's trying to when he's after he's just saved the save the economy after he's just put in a whole financial uh, the financial uh, the healthcare bill he's right. working on these things and then you're like oh in 2010 oh I'm not gonna go out to the vote I only did my I did my bit in 2008 2010 I can show well, no no but where, where are you where are you getting that statement from because black people vote in I'm um, no because they're not voting they're not voting in no in, they're not voting that's the problem <laughs> you engage in the in 2008 2012 and 2000 but you don't come out in the midterms you don't come out every year you're not engaged in the system all the time if you're not right. engaged in the system all the time you're not going to uh, how, how are we going to get engaged in the system in a system we don't believe you have to. That's my you point. have to. No, you have to. That's the thing. You have to. You have to reverse course. You can't just. If you believe it again, if you don't believe in the system, you, then if you don't believe, it's kind of chicken, chicken and egg, right? What comes first? All right. If you don't believe in the system, then you're not going to vote. But if you don't believe in, but if you're not going to vote, then of course you're not going to see anything from the system that makes you want to engage. But do, yo, do you guys? So you guys being from Jersey, Kev's not from Jersey. Thank how God. How do y'all feel about North? What do you mean? Like, like just politically, like. So it's okay. Like how I feel about Nork is I feel like um, Nork is a major city. It's a major city. And I feel it's like it is not black cities. Where Absolutely. Black. It has everything that other major cities have an airport. Um, there's, you know, businesses, there's stuff like this. There's, Colleges, large sports arenas, major businesses are based there. There's not that much difference. Like I've been to Newark. Newark's not that much different from like places like it's better than Cleveland. It's better than other like Rust Belt cities that have gone to shit. You know? I say it's that better than Cleveland, Mark. Again, I, see Cleveland, I see Cleveland on ESPN all the time. Like it's Paris. Of the that United better be States, a clip, right? man. Right, I see Cleveland all the time. All right. Cleveland is trash compared to Newark. All right. But I think when you think That's about and you have to say, because somebody asked me, like, why isn't, if you look at Jersey City, why isn't Newark where Jersey City is? Um, oh, that's that's going to be my question, because Newark is Jersey City than, nice, though? Like, Jersey when I went there, it's something Parts of Jersey nice. City are very nice. Parts Jersey of Jersey City, City, City nice need a little work. <laughs> it depends on the location, but yeah, there are parts of Jersey City that are very nice, and there are parts of Jersey City that you don't want to be in. Yeah, like, like, as soon as I get off the path subway, I'm like, oh, this is Jersey City, this is gross. Yeah, like some parts. <laughs> Like my mom used to work right outside. Like when you first get off the path, like right, like she used to work right across from uh, the path station. Like by that, like whatever, right, right by the water. And I think that area, um, that area right there has completely turned into like this, you know, kind of like this, um, like this place to go. Like they have restaurants, they have hotels, apartments. They're constantly building apartment buildings. And I think it's like Jersey City is starting to, or other places are starting to invest in Jersey City in the sense that they're bringing, like there's headquarters in Jersey City, like my yep. mom used to work in investment, um, investment management um, firm in Jersey City. Um, so there's work in Jersey City. And I think Jersey City isn't, people are investing in Jersey City. Jersey City is changing. I don't think anybody is, I, I think people have kind of given up on Newark. And as unfortunate as it may seem, it seems like nobody nobody wants to, like, honestly, do you want to live in Newark? I think Newark has gotten There was a time and I would I would not want to go to New York. My cousin, Nork, my cousin but, live in Newark in the shack building and that shit is nice as hell. Like. Newark is much nicer in the last, yeah. I'd say in the last decade, Newark, Newark has definitely but, come up. I'm not talking about those, I'm not talking about those, you know, but every city has a good part and a bad part. Newark like, used to not have that part. That's what the, the, yeah. the, So the reason, actually, let me even t ask you why, why I brought that back. 
I was actually trying to big up what you guys say. If you vote for the the um like the lower levels, a city can be built up if it's you know black run, and then the black agenda can be filled. Because I feel like Newark is the perfect example of a black agenda being filled. Because I remember growing up, like before, when I left Jersey, where what Newark, like even by Penn Station, like you still see the homeless people, but by Penn Station is crazy as hell. Like Prudential went up, like so much shit has gone up in that area. Shit is still going up. And it's a black mayor, like the, his whole people are black. So yeah, what you guys are saying can work. Like a question, or I'm, it's more of a point. When we ask these presidential elections, or, or I think also, I think a lot of black, I know for me, um, my first experience voting was last election. Um, that was my first experience voting. And I remember I was like, I didn't necessarily Wait, have- Obama's second term? No. Oh, shit. Um, so I voted for uh, Hillary, um, or did I vote for Bernie? I don't know. I voted. I think I voted for Hillary because I think at that point it was no point of voting for Bernie. And I remember just feeling like so. Nah, after I voted, like voting is this thing that you is one of those things you look forward to as like your like a marker in the age that you turn. Like you turn twenty one, you're excited to drink. I think 18 me, I was excited to vote. I was like, this is my right. I've waited my whole life to do this. And I just remember walking out and just feeling like I didn't do anything. Like I didn't, it didn't matter what I voted for. And I feel like a lot of black people are discouraged because, you know, like Marcus said, you vote every four years, you don't show up to, you know, and this is not just black people. Yeah, but that's, the, that's the point. It's like, now you gotta, like, have you, have you voted in between though? Like, I, I know, like, I, I haven't. I voted in primaries because Kev made me. Well, I've never I, voted for like you know 2010. I ain't vote. I think I vote. I have a, a bigger understanding of politics. I understand the importance of voting in these different elections because you know you have people that are very upset about where they are, but they don't vote for their mayors, their governors, and those are the things yeah. that imp impact you just as much. If if I I argue that they impact you more than you know the the presidential election because these are more localized. Way more. Way every more. day. Yeah, these yeah. are the people that are affecting your day to day much more so than they are at the exactly. federal level. And I think black people, I said earlier that black people kind of have like a, a not most black people, because I'm one of them. You know, before I went to college, I had no idea what politics entailed. I had no idea what government entailed other than someone's a president, someone's a governor, someone's a mayor, and we elect these people. But we have like unrealistic, unrealistic expectations because we've been ignored all these years. And I think naturally after showing up to the polls for so many years, like for instance, imagine being, imagine being in your 70s voting for this election. It's like, what the fuck am I voting for? I've been uh, voting all my life for change, voting all my life for someone to do the right thing. I've been voting for all my life for someone to show up for people that look like me. And what do I get? So I understand why people are discouraged from voting. You know what's but funny uh, about you bringing that up? My dad, my dad is 74. He's an okay. old man. And he was <laughs> saying like, as much as our generation be bitching, and this is why old people look at us crazy. Like they look at us as like, like and then you know how I always talk about black people don't have no, no leaders and shit. Like yeah. those dudes who are in their 70s look at us like we're pussy because they feel like we have been afforded everything. Like, we, you know what I'm saying? Like they, they were there when they were like, when my dad came to this country, like he saw civil rights. Like my, you know, my dad came here, um, 1960, I think like he was young as hell. So it's like, he came here in the sixties and he's just like, yo, we, 
like we we take a lot of things for granted that he didn't get when he was young and we probably do but the thing is it's like i think that's the reason why i'm bringing that up is because older people are a lot more conservative because they went through the system and they saw civil rights and they saw the movement and we're like i think they look at us like we're too radical and we complain too much i don't know if y'all feel that way but I think that's uh, fair. I, I actually I, think that's, that's fair. I, that's a fair point. Um, I will also add like my two cents, like older people are also voting for um, Social Security, uh, Medicaid, I want to say is what they get, uh, which are pretty socialist policies, but they still vote for it nonetheless. Um, so they're also voting for that as well. Um, they vote for like, even the, the elderly, they say the, el- like, the, the older people have um, their they're turning on Trump because he's they're they feel threatened by his like he has this plan for like uh, social security like he's trying to cut social security and mm-hmm. yeah. for people, for people that is their income like that's like basically someone saying like mm, I'm gonna get rid of your paycheck like you're just not gonna get paid anymore and they because if you think about it, this is money that they have worked for they've worked their whole they've worked for this money this is their mm-hmm. money and you're telling me that you're gonna take it away and that's how I take care of myself in my retirement that like that's that's scary and that's why i say i don't understand people who are voting against their interests because this is now not the time to do that like your things that you depend mm-hmm. on are being and you're just okay with it going away because for the sake of what like what are you what is the uh, exchange i think you're underestimating the ability the, the need for people to feel good about what they're voting for it's like yes. even if Trump is someone who's going to yes. be like, you know what, I'm going to take away your your social security. I'm going to threaten your health care. I think there is something to seeing someone get on TV. Say, those people are coming into our lands and they're taking all of our jobs. Or those people are going to ruin the suburbs with their projects. And you all can even use Obama. you can use Obama for this too. Like change. Like I'll never forget like being 17 and hearing Obama keep saying change. It's like yeah, nigga, change. Like you're about to change our like, <laughs> Like Obama was so good at like, yeah. the, like him see, and Trump were just like Biden does not motivate people to go to those polls. So no, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, no, no, he's, not, he's not one of those people. Biden, Biden's very much, Biden's, you know, in a way, he's okay. a conservative ca- candidate just because like he's kind of like a return to the status quo. He's a moderate Republican in my opinion. Whereas Trump is this kind of is this again? He came on on a he was going to be a disruptor. That's what him and Steve Bannon said when they you know got into the White House. They were going mm-hmm. to disrupt the 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 administrative state of this of the country. That's that's what they've done. And if you're, you know, if you're okay with that, then you don't mind that they're going to, you know, do things that are going to uh, hurt your personal position because it feels good. It feels good to be a part of a wave like that. It feels good to see someone out here who's just screaming at his head, top of his head um, at the White House and doing that for you. You'd rather be part of the wave sometimes than, you know, go with boring, boring Biden, Sleepy Joe. All right. So I, I personally, I absolutely hate it when Marcus and I agree so much during a podcast because, um, you know, from our last podcast we did get, did together on all um, of all the hills, the Oath podcast, go check it out on YouTube. Uh, we disagreed heavily on a third party debate. Uh, so to sit here and me agree with Marcus so much, it's just disgusting. So I want to bring up a topic that we we're probably going to disagree on. Uh, so during the presidential debate, the last presidential debate, uh, we didn't really talk about that because who cares about the debates anymore. Um, but uh, Trump brought up a really good statement that I want to highlight. And he said that he's done the most for black people outside of Lincoln. He gave Lincoln his credit. I'm ready outside, of, outside of Lincoln, he's done the most for black people. So my question to the entire virtual room here, which president has done the most for black people? Before y'all even get into that, can I just, can I just 
touch on why Trump said that though. So go off. A lot of reasons why Trump said that is shit that Obama did. So like black people unemployment was low. Um, he started pushing for gentrification. So if you have bread, you can probably go rebuild your hood, but niggas don't have bread to do that. Um, it was just like, he touched on a lot of things that he did do. And the reason why I, I thought that was interesting was because um, after the debates, I was watching CNN and I understand, yo, I completely understand why Trump hates CNN. Cause right after the debates, cause I went, for example, I don't know if you guys talked about this on your last episode, but during the debates, I was like, yo, Trump was really chilling. Like this is the first time I saw him being a president. And, yeah. and literally in the four years where I was just like, all right, he looks like he's trying to be political today. You sound like Van Jones right now. No, he was well behaved. No, no, I'm, I'm really, I'm really about to talk about Van Jones. So got on CNN, like all these people were like, there was like six, it was like five screens and everyone was bashing Trump. Everyone was bashing Trump. Then they had the little one, the one like Republican guy, just to kind uh, of. Former PA Senator works into him. Yes, that guy. And then Van Jones was all bashing him. He was bashing him, bashing him. And then they gave Van Jones the screen. And Van Jones was like, all right, before I continue bashing him, let me list all the things Trump has done for black people. He's done all this, this, and this, and this. And I was like, wait, <laughs> when did Trump do this? Cause I've never heard, I thought he was like, it was just Trump's talking point. So Trump has done things for black people. But the only reason why I wanted to bring that up was if Trump really like, cause I really think Trump feels he's done the most for black people. If this is the level, this is the bar that for black people, then we need to reevaluate who we're voting for. Oh, 100%. One hundred percent. There's a very low bar for doing things, quote unquote, doing things for black people. Um, and th- th- things that he pointed to, you know, doing the first step at at um, opportunity zones, which, funnily enough, that's you right, know, that's the gentrification shit I talked about. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it's, yeah. the funny thing is that that's something that's kind of it's. There's been multiple reports saying that billionaires and you know real estate moguls have kind of are the ones making all the money off of those things that were supposed to you know create black jobs and create a new class of black entrepreneurs. None of that has happened. But you know he keeps pointing it out because again it is fu- technically funneling money into these um, these neighborhoods, but the money is not going to those neighborhoods if that makes any sense. Yep. But no, I mean look, Trump's accomplishments are there. I think he has uh, like three or four things that he's done that you know uh, investing in HBCUs is another one. Uh, he's he's done some things, but it's uh, not it's such a low bar though for him, not just him but for all presidents like Barack Obama. You can point to him like he's accomplished some things, but again. They're not that great, and you can even go back to you know Bill Clinton, quote unquote, the uh, the first black president. Oh God, no! Again, not the record does not look that good. It's a stigma, guys. It's, it's a stigma. It, just, just the the, the record is does not there. I mean, you'd have to go back. If, I'm trying to think who would be the best, you know, the black president. Like if we can if we can run it back and bring run them it back. Um, I mean, I I feel like I have you to say LBJ. Okay, I have to I have to say LBJ because I think that. You know, but he basically handed the South, and he said this when he did it, he basically handed the South to the Republican Party in order to get voting rights and civil rights to uh, African-Americans. He made it such a, and I do wonder what he could have done uh, if he didn't uh, stick around in Vietnam for so long. Because I think that's someone, if he is able to run for another term, I think that he could have, you know, definitely expanded on what he did with the Great great, uh, Society in terms of the welfare programs and expanding that to Black people possibly, but we'll never know because... Vietnam, but yeah, in terms of, I think those two bills, those are ma- those are massive bills that kind of uh, expanded, uh, expanded the franchise to black people when they didn't have it before. So that would be my choice. But again, we don't have any good choices, to be honest. Um, I think uh, first of all, Trump is doing general, but we know that already. And second, so wait before you said that, before you go, Carly. So you don't think Trump is in the top ten? Because I feel like Trump has to be in the top ten. 
Well, we have a lot of racist presidents, first of all. Oh, actually, Trump, I feel like Trump's in the top five. So the reason why I just want to stop you before you say that is because I went and I started researching the most recent presidents. Trump has done more than all the presidents in my lifetime. So that's well, one thing I, I'll, I'll definitely stand for, even though I, I, I didn't vote for Trump. I think if someone gives you, like if someone gives you, if you're used to getting pennies and someone comes by and gives you a quarter, you're going to think that's a lot because you're used to getting nothing. Sure. So I think we measure things by how increasingly better they get, but not in the measure of like how like actual, how important they actually are, how much they actually do for us. And I say Trump is delusional only because I, I, I'll give people their benefit of the doubt, but I think, I think he's done like a lot more. I mean, I don't know. I feel like he's done things, you know, like the investments for HBCUs and stuff and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I think we have a very small bowl to pick from. Like there's really, and it's funny cause like I feel like all the presidents that black people love so much have actually never done anything to them or actually have done quite the opposite. They've done more harm yeah. than good. Like people love Bill Clinton cause he cheated on his wife and played the saxophone. Yeah. And that's, you know, yeah, that's sigma. But, yeah. you know, Bill Clinton got rid of welfare as America knew it, and a lot of people don't know that he was like, "We're just gonna get rid of it." Like, he and, part of the super predator shit too. Yes, him and Hillary Clinton uh, <laughs> stayed as super predators. Before crime bills, his bill, and um, I, I would argue if I had to, and again, I'm pulling from a very limited goal. My argument would be. Lyndon B. Johnson because of the Voting Act and the Civil Rights Act. But at the same time, I like I say about anything, uh, a president can only do so much. I also feel like government and policies and politics are not always on the same. Like, they're not always up to date with society. So no. even, if, uh, even if something, a policy is enacted, that doesn't necessarily mean that society is going to be an improvement of it and they're going to do what they say so like I, I I said Lyndon B. Johnson because he passed these bills that changed things for black people but it didn't really change because it just kind of got people to be a lot less a lot more discreet with their racism you know it was like okay we can't discriminate on people again you know based on on race okay so we'll find other ways to do it and then that created the that kind of contributed to where we are now in the sense that like people get away with doing things to us be, if it's not like blatantly racist like if they can find another way to disguise it then that's what they're going to do and I feel like Trump has done exactly the same thing like he's you know he doesn't he I mean he says racist shit but he also says a lot of like in the windows and a lot of like you know like the stand back and stand by thing like that was like very like racist but you know I don't I don't public housing bit where he's like I don't, oh, I don't, I don't get rid of yeah, public like, housing in suburbs isn't that that's like, how i'm gonna win the white suburbs back trump is literally like it's funny to me because trump is literally the result of what i'm talking about you know he he is one of those people that are the direct aftermath of the civil rights act where it was like okay it's wrong and it's illegal to discriminate against people on the basis of race but it's Uh 
the Trump attack. They took they took Carly out. Hey. I was they like, yo, I was, my phone, I was like, yo, did China get did China get us? Like, they what took the fuck? Carly out. You hate to oh. see. All right, all right, yeah. Edit point. Um, all right. So since Carly is frozen, uh, rest in peace, Carly. I, I, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna list the top five. So I think Dwal, you're right. Trump is in the top five, uh, which is kind of sad. But here's my top five. Uh, number one is Ulysses S. Grant. Number two is LBJ. Number three is Abraham Lincoln. Uh, the number four is Barack Obama. Actually, Barack Obama, Trump is not in the top five. He's number six, and I think number five. I think number five is actually uh, George H. W. Bush. You can find a way to do it. How did you leave FDR off your list? I'm shocked. Mm-hmm. So FDR had a black cabinet, but at the same time, um, he really discriminated against black people, right? So he kind of did a whole like, I hear you, I see you, I understand you type of thing, but I'm not really gonna do anything for you people. Uh, so, like, uh, for example, one of the biggest contributors to, like, the middle class movement right now is um, uh, back in World War II when we had the GI Bill. Yep. Um, the GI Bill was exclusively, especially uh, excluded from black people. So black people could not take advantage of the GI Bill. So I, I'm, I come from a military family. I cannot imagine that you said someone against their will because they were drafted to go to another country where they have more rights to fight for white people's rights and they come back home and they still face like horrific discrimination and they can't even get a GI bill. And on top of that, even if they have money, they can't even live in the suburbs that the GI bill kind of created. So I, I want included uh, FDR in there. Yes. He created the uh, black cabinet, but I don't think the black, I think the black cabinet is more so for show than anything else. The symbolic uh, gesture. Okay. Yeah. Yes. It's a symbolic gesture. I, I, the reason why I had George W. H. W. Bush in there as number five is just because, um, I think it was more powerful than we kind of thought for him having uh, Colin Powell and Condoleezza Rice as like Secretary of State. I don't think that's ever happened before, like a black person that high up in the government cabinet before. And I think like you can argue that that probably like gave certain white people to make them feel comfortable seeing a black person in power to go ahead and vote for President Barack Obama. And then uh, lastly, like I'll say, like UCS Grant has done the most for black people. So if you look at history and you see, for example, like Tim Scott, Tim Scott's like the first black senator since like the 1800s, or this black person is the first person for the 1800s. They're talking about the Ulysses S. Grant presidency. So what that means is like Ulysses S. Grant actually made the KKK illegal. He actually like fought for civil rights. He actually made it okay for black people to actually go out, vote, to actually go out and run for office and get into positions of power. So that little brief moment of history is where black people were actually like, they actually had civil rights. And then like, as soon as he left office, they took that all away. And we didn't get that back until like the 1960s when like LBJ came to power. So like, that's why I'm saying like, uh, USCS Grant as part of number one. Since you're on history, I I assume we're going to chop this episode up. But um, my question to you is why do you think these white people did the like why did like what was their political agenda to go against their people like a free um like like everyone like you talked about ulysses grant wasn't he a confederate by the way no he was no he was union general he was union general all right my yeah. fault. uh i didn't start getting good grades to high school um <laughs> <laughs> what's it called like what was the reasoning for it because i feel like something had to happen like i don't think people were just like 
I'm just trying to put myself in their position. It's just like, yo, I love black people so much. I need to go fight for them. Was it like something political or that's just, just give us history. So for Lincoln, I know that it was, he was more committed to preserving the union. Um, and that's why, you know, even to the, in the build up to the civil war, he was, he was not willing to kind of stake out a claim on slavery. And it wasn't until after the fact that he was like, you know, this is kind of the only way that I can kind of keep, bring the union back together. That's kind of what pushed his, I think, pushed him to do the Emancipation Proclamation. Kev, correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think that's for, for Lincoln, it was all about pre preserving and then kind of keeping the union together. That's motivated him on race. Now for Grant's, um, actually, Grant, I'm going to let you uh, go on Grant's motivations. I'm assuming that it has to, I, I mean, I'd like to think that it's some sort of belief in ideals, but I think you'll, you'll have a much better idea on what, uh, why Grant's was so committed to kind of extending the franchise to black people. To be honest, that's actually something that I have to like look into and do a little bit more research on because it's just kind of surprising to me to see like a white person, especially in the 1800s, go so far out for black people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's something that I have to research on and get back to you on. I, I, my educated guess is that it is somewhat political. Uh, there was this type of thing that the North was mightier than the South. And that kind of happened like throughout American history. I think the New York Times and Daily kind of touched on this a little bit where like, uh, for example, when they were pushing for uh, desegregating schools, the North was like, oh yeah, you guys on the South, you have to do that. Yet New York City has the most segregated school system in the entire nation, you know, type of things. If you recall, like I think uh, one of the biggest fights in, with like uh, when it came to seg desegregation was were in places like Boston, where it was like, um, we, had, we had women who are family members out advocating for separating the schools because they didn't want their children going to school with black children. They didn't want to have them, uh, it was I think the shared busing uh, mandates, the shared busing laws. That was a, like a real big uh, political debate and that was something that was happening in the North. It wasn't a Southern thing. It was it was one of the things that kind of showed that uh, racism isn't just a Southern franchise. It's something that goes you know throughout the country. So yeah. it's kind of, it is interesting. It's, it's funny because like I remember my sociology teacher, my other sociology professor sophomore year, and this she's actually the reason I changed my major. I wanted to be a doctor at first. Um, she said that sociology is not the study of society, but more so the study of racism because that is the social makeup of America. America is racist. You know, we, we've been a race, like from the beginning of time, this country has not, had America's uh, black people's best interest because when this country was founded, we weren't even considered people. And I think we keep expecting so much from a country that never cared about us. And I think that's the frustrating part is you kind of get to like this place of acceptance. Like it was never meant, we weren't, it was never meant for us. We were, we were not protected. We're not valued. And so I feel like it's kind of hard to say what, people what someone could do for black america when literally nobody has done anything for black america like i think black america has always been responsible we're really the only i feel the only community in this country who is responsible for our own growth our own progress you know everybody else gets so much help um so many you know like you know help like help and, and programs and, and initiatives that kind of propel them into like a better place except us, it's kind of like, oh, well, you guys are in a tough place. Well, why are you in a tough place? Think about why you're in a tough place and get yourself out of the tough place. And and that's really how I feel about it. And that's how I kind of been looking at it, especially like in my adult years, it's like, damn, like, you know, every everywhere you turn, it's an issue, whether it's, you know, healthcare, medicine, you know, or it's 
education or it's housing or it's government or whatever the case may be, you know, I think it's like everyone's big focus is what is this president going to do? What is what what is either candidate going to do for black America? And I I'm more inclined to believe that they're going to do what everyone else has done. And that's absolutely nothing. And I and I but I realized that in this election, I didn't really have the luxury of nor did I ever really have the luxury of waiting around or, or believing I see what someone has done in the last four years and I and I don't really have a choice. I don't have the option as a black person to be like, well, maybe Trump will get it right because he did it when he had the chance. So I'm, I guess my answer would be nobody. And I think we're just fishing for an answer, but the answer is really nobody. There has never been anybody. Like we're sitting here like, oh, this person did this little thing and this person did this little thing, but we don't need any more little things. We need big changes. We need something that's centered on us because I feel like we're kind of the forgotten people. I even hear people talk about Obama, like, oh, Obama helped out gay people, but he didn't help out black people. And it's like, well, I feel like that's different because there's gay black people, but nobody has ever really specifically helped Black people from all walks of life, Black women, Black men, gay Black people, um, disabled Black people, Black people with mental health. I think we're just completely forgotten in terms of politics and government and this election specifically. You're on mute, Kev. So my professors do that all the time. I hate that, that, that. All right, so like I like I have nothing else to say against that, Carl. I think you kind of touched on like a really good point there. Um, I mean, you're right. I was gonna shoot some Obama some bail, but I was thinking about it, like what did he do most? Was just like uh, he did try to push criminal justice reform towards his end, but you know that's that's not all black issues right there. Um, no, so he I will to, say, everything that he did. Not to cut you off, everything that he did was kind of uh, black people may have benefited from it, but it wasn't with black people in mind. I don't think, um, yeah. with the exception of maybe I think he did something. I think he did, I know he did something with um, criminal justice uh, in criminal justice in terms of um, the way that uh, I guess drug people that have drug crimes, I guess their sentencing should uh, could get released or get, get reduced, I should say. And he also kind of expanded the civil rights division of the Justice Department. But uh, in, terms of, in terms of anything big, like you look at his big accomplishments, I don't think, you know, his top five, top 10, those would be black issues that he touched on. There were things that, again, may have benefited black people. Like when you talk about, you know, rescuing the economy, reserve, uh, preserving the, auto, the automotive industry, those are things that black people may have benefited from, but they're not something that was like, oh, this is definitely going to be black people. Uh, specifically. Uh, and I think that's why he, get, he gets punished for that, um, which, you know, is, I think, it's, I think it's, it's unfortunate, but I understand where it comes from. I think we, it's nice. To, it's good to see, like just like white people like to see, or poor white people like to see Donald Trump up there fighting for them. It would have been nice to see uh, Barack Obama up there fighting harder for us, and not just you know doing things like singing "Amazing Grace" when you know we're kind of in a uh, like a traumatic after a traumatic situation or things like that. He did the feel good stuff, but he didn't do. It would have been nice to see some policy behind it as well. All right, so guys, I hate to do this, but like we do have to wrap up. Uh, so this is a very good conversation between all three of you. Uh, Supreme Leader Dua of What You Expect. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure you follow at What You Expect, W-Y-E. Um, W-Y Expect, um, follow W-Y. 
expect Loki R and B. You've been drinking, bro. I don't even know these fucking apps. Um, yeah, follow Loki R and B. Follow what you expect. Follow Dwavo because you already know. If you don't know, do your googles. And, and and fellow patriots out there, he did forget to mention uh, Wye Liberation on Twitter. So make sure you follow Wye Liberation on Twitter as well. Uh, so if you like the episode, tell your friends, tell your neighbor, tell your mom, tell your dad. Uh, help us grow. Help us get bigger. We just want to be a voice for black people politically. Um, And, you know, that's all I got. And we're out.